Well, we're going to go ahead and dive into it. If you guys have your Bibles, I want to encourage you guys to go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Does anybody need a Bible? Because we got a couple Bibles we can pass out. Does anybody need a Bible? Okay, cool. Okay, well, looking pretty good then. All right. So, uh, plus the scripture will be up on screen, so don't worry. So, we're going we're gonna to go uh, to Romans chapter 12, so go ahead and go there. Before we do, though, I want to ask you guys a question. Has anybody ever heard of this book right here, The Screwtape Letters? Anybody ever heard of Screwtape Letters? All right, this, this guy here, Mr. C.S. Lewis, is one of probably one of the top three most influential theologians, philosophers in my life besides Andrew Foltz. But, um, but I love C.S. Lewis. He's written books like Mere Christianity. Um, he, he wrote the whole Chronicles of Narnia series. I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever read or seen Chronicles of Narnia? Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian. Well, he wrote all those, and he's pretty famous for those. But, but one, of the, one of his really good masterpieces, which I think, is The Screwtape Letters. And if you've never read this book, I would really encourage you to it's got a very interesting concept, and here it is. Ready? This is a book of two demons who are writing to each other. Well, one is writing to the other, and uh, Screwtape is the uncle, and he has a nephew named Wormwood, who is another demon, and this demon's whole purpose is uh, he's been assigned to this human, and his whole goal is to prevent this human from coming to know God or coming to know Jesus. And it sounds like uh, Screwtape is like one of the kind of the big wigs in the demonic army or something. And so what he does is he writes these letters to Wormwood saying, hey, here's what I recommend you do. Here's, here's some advice. If they start to do this, you do this. And what we get is, now mind you, it's a fiction. I, I guess I should say that. <laughs> it's a fiction. This is not inspired scripture, okay? But in this book, what, what it's really cool about it is C.S. Lewis has given us a way to kind of see the playbook of the other side, where if you get this, like there's some really good stuff in here where you can say, wow, wow, that's, you, you kind of hear what the enemy is saying. Like, it's like a football game, right? If, if the other team dropped their playbook on the ground and you got their playbook, you could say, wow, I know exactly what they're going to do. And so what, that, that's what I love about that book is it's a very, um, it's a unique way of doing it. And, and, and what we're going to do tonight is we're going to dive into our series, Guard the Temple again. Can you even put the graphic up on the screen for me? Guard the Temple. Um, we, this is week three of Guard the Temple. Remember week one, we talked about how we are to view the body. Uh, the next week, we broke up into groups and the girls talked about some stuff. The guys talked about some stuff. And this right here, tonight we're going to be talking about the mind, okay? Hence the, hence the song, Renewed Mind is the Key. I would encourage all of you guys to text that name to yourself and rewatch it again later. I actually cut half of that video out, so there's more goodness there. So, but um, like I said, our current series is called Guard the Temple. And what we talked about is that first week we're talking about the casualties of sexual immorality. And the first casualty we talked about was the body, right? And we talked about how our society has really given us a negative view of the body, where the body is just this immoral thing that it's just a tool to bring pleasure. That's all the body is. Well, we, we, we showed in Scripture that this is not the case, that God actually has a purpose for you and your body. And so that's what we call one of the first casualties of sexual immorality. Now, today we're going to talk about the second casualty, which is the mind. And next week we're going to talk about the third casualty, which is the heart. And actually, my wife is going to be up here. She's, uh, she's way better at everything than me. So uh, she'll be up there, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about marriage, you know, about potentially getting married, what to look for in a guy, all that good stuff. So 
But like I said, we're going to talk about the mind. And I found some funny quotes on the mind. I'm going to hit the first picture if you don't mind. I thought this one was, was a good, well, this one isn't funny, but yeah, there it is. Uh, work on your mind as much as on your body. You ever seen guys in the gym who are like pumping iron, right? And they are, they're going to town. They're just like, hey, I got to get my body looking good. But people tend to forget about the mind. They tend to forget about how to guard your mind and how to protect your mind. Go ahead and hit the next slide, please. Uh, ooh, that's hard to read. Oh, sorry. What consumes your mind controls your life. There's a lot of truth in that statement. What consumes your mind controls your life. The things that you let into your mind, if you keep letting it come in and in and in, this is, guys, this is what we talked about last week with the guardrails or the week before when Nick was talking, is that what you let into your mind, if you do it so much, eventually it comes out. And this one that I thought was kind of funny, hit the next slide for me, uh, talking about the mind. I may look calm, but in my mind, I've killed you three times. <laughs> All right? It has nothing to do with the lesson. I just thought it was kind of a funny quote. So, so as we talk about the mind today, I, I want you guys to realize that there, there is a war right now for your minds. I remember I was watching a, um, uh, a documentary on the creation of MTV. You guys know what MTV is, right? That's not nearly as big nowadays, I don't think. MTV used to be big time back in the day. And they realized all the executives for, you remember, Rachel, you remember so long ago, right? <laughs> She's like, Beastie Boys, yes, all right? But MTV, the, the, the thing about the executives, they got together and they realized pretty quickly, they said, man, there's a lot of money to be made with teenagers. Like, if we can promote a bunch of this teenage music, teenagers will buy this stuff. We can promote shows, and, and we got them, right? And so now, that, that kind of that trend has gone on where there is this war for your minds. And the sad thing is a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't realize that there, there is an, there, there is a, uh, there's people... And, and specifically, the devil is out there trying to get your mind, okay? He's trying to get you to think a certain way. He's trying to get you to uh, live your life and go a certain direction that contradicts Scripture. And if he can get your mind, then he's got you, right? So, um, again, that's, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, and I just want to talk about how the, the mind is the, it, it's a casualty of sexual immorality. It, it is... So many kids, especially young people like yourselves, so many minds have just fallen victim to this war. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it, and we're going to, uh, hopefully I'm going to give you a couple things to think about that can help you guard your mind. Because when we talk about guard the temple, I know it's easy to think we're talking about just the body, but did you know that sexuality includes your mind, includes your body, and it also includes your heart, all of these things. So we're going to kind of expand the temple a little bit. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive in, okay? So let's go ahead and bow our heads. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everybody that's here. God, give me words to say tonight. Give, uh, give everybody in here um, just an open mind, God, to hear these words, to hear what Scripture says about sexuality. And, and um, like we said the last time we talked, it's, it's kind of an awkward subject to talk about. It's kind of, it's something that um, tends to be a little uh, uneasy. But God, I, Scripture has something to say about this. Christianity, uh, Jesus had something to say about this. And so, my prayer is that we can see what Scripture says, that we can internalize it and make it a part of our life. We love you, God, and we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read that. This is our, our key text for the tonight, okay? And I'm sure that most of you have probably heard this passage before. If you have, awesome. If not, it's a really good one. Here we go. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. 
Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and uh, what is the perfect will of God. Who's heard that verse before? Anybody ever heard that before? It's a good one. Yeah. I, the, the thing about this verse, the, the word that kept coming to me as I was reading it, I, I, I knew this was the text I was going to be preaching on, and I kind of, I tend to like read it over and over again, and the, the word that kept jumping out to me was that word renewing, okay? So look at verse two one more time. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now you notice there that that doesn't say that your mind is renewed, that it's, it's a done deal. It says the renewing of your mind, which kind of means like a, a continual thing, right? So Tonight, this is, what, this is what we're saying, is that we've, you guys as Christians, your minds, you have to constantly be renewing them. And what does that mean? It says it right here. It's, it really, it's by, by reading Scripture. It's by praying, going to church, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We as Christians are supposed to live lives where all we care about is trying our best to live the perfect will of God. That's what it's all about. So, I'm going to give you three things, okay? If you got a pen, I would encourage you to write these down. If you have a phone, I would encourage you to text yourself, okay? You can perhaps even tweet these things. Does anybody still tweet, or is it all Instagram now? What do you, well, I don't know. Sna- oh, Snapchat. How could I forget about Snapchat? Oh, jeez. All right, here it is. Point number one, okay? This is a good way to help defend your mind against the devil, right? Go ahead and hit point number one for me. Go on a mind diet, okay? Now, hear me out. Some of you guys probably heard the word diet. And immediately turned off. I know I did. I hate diets, obviously. But I have a friend, and by a friend I mean my father-in-law. Anytime we go out to eat, my father-in-law will get out his phone and he'll say, he'll say, okay, um, uh, let me see. I had one piece of cheese, okay, and he'll put it in his calorie counter. He says, okay, I had two slices of bread. Wow, got to put that in there. Piece of bacon, got to put that. A burger, medium well, all right, got to put that. And what he does is he puts all of his food into his phone there, and it counts as calories. Anybody ever heard gone on a diet and counted your calories before? I did it once. It was awful. I said, this is too much homework. I don't have time for this. So, so I stopped. Again, obviously. But, but it's funny to me how people care so much about their bodies. People are so concerned about what they put inside their bodies, and there seems to be less of a concern about what people put inside their minds. Have you guys noticed this? I, I, I notice this all the time because I, 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 I tend to do this myself where I go, I can watch that. I can listen to that. I can see that. Like, that's not a big deal. But guys, the, what you bring into your body is equally as bad as what you bring into your mind. And we as Christians are supposed to care as much about our mind as we do our bodies. Let me reread verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this age. Now, when it says this age, it means this culture, this, this, uh, this time that you live in, right? Do not be conformed to this age. Don't be a part of it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Guys, if you have, if you are letting just junk into your minds, a lot of times it's what junk that comes out, okay? Now, there's a couple things, because I know, I know some of us, some of you guys are asking, well, how do I control that, you know? I, feel, I really feel bad for us in this time where it seems like stuff just is thrown at us right now, you know? I give you the example when I was in New York City, and it was just billboard after billboard. I'm like, man, I can't even walk down the street without seeing this. This is awful. And it, it, so we're so consumed with it, you know? We live in a time right now where if somebody wants to get into your house, they don't even have to walk through your front door. They can get to you through the internet. They can get to you through social media. They can, 
I mean, they can influence you still. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it is crazy. So let me give you a couple things here to think about it, within this, this, um, this one here. When I say go on a mind diet, here's some things. Here's a way to count calories on a mind diet, okay? Here it is. Choose your friends wisely, okay? Now, I want to bring this point up specifically. I've, I've done this point probably 100 times. But I had somebody come up to me last week, and it seemed to be a little confused about it. And so I want to just kind of dive into it for a second. When I say choose your friends wisely, I don't mean that you should never have any non-Christian friends. Okay? Hear me when I say that. Because I, the, the person who asked me this said, hey, why are you telling me I shouldn't have any Christ, non-Christian friends? I don't, shouldn't I invite them to church? Shouldn't I say this stuff? And I said, no, no, no. Absolutely you should. What I mean by that, I, we, we did this once when we were talking about King David, where, um, you know, it's very important that if, if this is you right here, okay, it's very important that, you know, you obviously you're going to have tons of friends all around, right? A lot of these are non-Christians. And guys, I encourage you to befriend non-Christian people. They need you, right? They need you to invite them to church, to tell them about Jesus. I encourage that. What I encourage you, though, at the same time is the friends that are closest to you, right, your inner circle, these people who have influence in your life, I would encourage you to make sure they are Christian, okay? Because these are the people who speak truth into your life. These are the people who encourage you or discourage you from doing stuff that you should or shouldn't be doing. These are the people who, when, when something happens, you go to them first, right? You say, hey, this is going on. What do I do? And, and, I, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in saying, hey, you, you, want, to get, you want somebody who's going to be giving you advice and counsel to be somebody who knows Scripture or somebody who at least cares about what God cares about. So, I'm not telling you to not have non-Christian friends. I encourage that. But I'm telling you that your inner circle of friends, I, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in making sure that they're Christian, okay? That's what I mean when I say choose your friends wisely. All right, and then here's another one. Be mindful of what you watch and listen to, okay? Guys, again, this is what we talked about in the guardrails last week, is what you watch goes into your mind, what you listen to goes into your mind, Okay? Uh, there are some movies now that are just crazy, okay? There, guys, there's a lot of music out there that I've listened to, and I'm just like, goodness gracious, it's nuts, right? And, and one thing, uh, here, let me, let me kind of address another question that I had somebody come up to me. I had a girl come up to me once and say, um, I know the girls talked about modesty the last time you guys got together, which is awesome. I think it's a great topic. But I had one girl, she came up to me and she says, um, why are we held responsible for what guys' thoughts are? if we dress this way. And so I want to speak to the girls for a minute, okay, because I kind of want to um, just give some insight into that because I'm not saying it's your fault for making the men stumble, but I am going to plead for you to, to make it a little easier on the guys, okay? And here's what I mean by this, is that guys are visual creatures, okay? I don't know if you know this. I had to explain this to my wife when we first got married because my wife didn't understand how people can get hooked on stuff on the internet and stuff. And I said, I said, Britt, guys are visual. Like, this is, I'm going to be transparent here, okay? When I was younger, for, for the first time, I remember it was clear as day, something on the television showed up at my friend's house that I should not have been seeing, and I remember it clearly to this day. It's the craziest thing. Like, guys, we, it, it's like our minds Rolodex stuff, right? And this, I don't think this is the case with girls. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. But I know that guys especially, they remember stuff. Stuff, it's, it's almost like it's a flash camera in your mind, and it just stays there forever. And so, so, girls, my plea to you is when we ask you to dress modestly, I'm not saying, hey, dress modestly because you're causing those boys to stumble. 
It's more of a me on my knees begging you, guys, please. It causes guys to stumble. Please help, help us, right? Help us help these guys not have these images in their minds, okay? And guys, in the same way, it, it's, it's as much on you. If you see a girl who's immodestly dressed, you know, this is not the right thing to do. You know, you gotta, it's called turn your head, all right? Turn your head, okay? Guys, hang with me. All right, so I was reading this quote the other day where um, this, this lady actually said, she said, she said, it's easier for a cocaine addict to quit cocaine than it is for, for people to stop looking at sexual images on the internet. And here's why she said this. She said, cocaine addicts, you can go into a detox and the cocaine and the heroin and stuff clears your system and it's out of you, right? Guys that look at stuff online, even girls though, but guys, when you look at stuff online or you do stuff like that, it doesn't leave you. It doesn't flush out of your system like cocaine and drugs do. It stays with you, just like I said there. You know, we've been deceived into thinking that these kinds of things make us happy or that they bring happiness, right? And this is what it's all about nowadays, right? People will tell you, hey, life is all about being happy. It's all about fulfilling yourself. So do whatever it takes. Let me read you a great quote. This is by G.K. Beale, okay? Do we have this quote on the screen? Perfect. You typed all that out. Very good job, Kendall. I'm very impressed. All right, here it is. There is a good self-love that seeks what will truly make us happy. And here it is. It's loving ourselves by desiring to become what God wants us to become. More precisely, we love God, and in the process of loving him, we become what God wants us to become. Loving God, paradoxically, is the best expression of self-love, for in loving God, we are truly happy. Let me rephrase that, okay? If you want true happiness, try to be like Jesus. Fall more in love with God. Do the things that Scripture tells you to do. Don't do the things that Scripture doesn't tell you to do or tells you not to do, okay? That's where true happiness is. True happiness does not lie in uh, just random sexual encounters with as many people as possible. True happiness does not lie in looking at sexual images in movies or on the Internet. It doesn't lie in, uh, in your girlfriend or your boyfriend, right? True happiness lies in God, in Jesus Christ. That's why I love that quote. That one of my professors uh, wrote that in his book. I was pretty pumped. Let me read you one more verse. This is Philippians 4, 8. I wrote this up here, so if you guys want to write those down for future. Uh, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. What does it mean to dwell on these things? It means to put your mind on these things. Read the Bible. Hang out with Christian people who can influence you in the good ways, right? That's the verse we used for the guardrails last week. So remember that first point is go on a mind diet, you know? Whenever you're, go, whenever you're dieting, you have to say to yourself, okay, here's some stuff I've got to cut out to make sure I succeed on this diet. It's the same with your mind, right? I want you guys to go on a mind diet. Think, what are some things that you can cut out that will put your mind in a better spot, okay? So that's point number one. Point number two. Focus on the problem, not the symptoms. Write this one down. Focus on the problems and not the symptoms. Now, again, I've made this point before. I try to be repetitious in certain things, and this is a big one, okay? The example I used when I used this last time was, uh, I, I've told you guys that I'm in school right now, right? I'm getting my master's degree. I'm doing it all online, and I'm telling you there's some late nights, okay? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I have like 15 kids, and by 15, I mean four, all right? But the, the baby is like six kids right now because he's so needy. But 
But I, so I have a ton of kids, right? I don't have as much as Ben Hoyer, though. <laughs> Ben's got five. Yeah. All right. Sorry, that was my shout out to my friend back there. But I've, so, so I'm in school right now. And I remember, especially when I first started about two years ago, I, I started getting these really bad headaches. And I would wake up in the morning and I, I would wake up with a headache. And then I'd go to my wife and say, man, my head is killing me. She goes, you've had a headache for like four days in a row. I said, yeah. She goes, what time have you been coming to bed? I said, three o'clock in the morning. What's the big deal? And she goes, oh, my goodness. And I said, don't worry, I'll take some Tylenol. So I took some Tylenol. Headache went away. I came home, put the kids to bed with my wife. Then I did more homework, woke up in the next morning, still had another headache, right? Because I stayed up till about 3 o'clock again. And what, I, and what Brittany, my wife, came up to me and she says, you know, Matt, uh, she goes, you're still having these headaches, right? I said, yeah, I wish, I wish I wouldn't. She goes, get rest. That's the problem. It's not the headache is the problem, right? All the pills did was get rid of the symptom of the problem. The symptom is the headache, right? The problem was that I was depriving my body of the rest that it needed. And so the funniest thing happened. I started getting the seven hours of sleep that I need, and I felt a lot better. I was like, wow, my wife is smart and pretty, all right? Hence the four kids. So let's keep moving, all right? So, <laughs> so what, what I want to talk about with this point is that we tend, as a society, we tend to focus on the symptoms, right? We focus on on the problem of the problem. And let me give you a couple of examples, all right? Um, anxiety, depression. The, these things go very hand in hand with sexual immorality. I, I, Cece, you can vouch for that, right? People, people who, Cece's a counselor, by the way. She tells me everything I need to know. But people who are very promiscuous, that they, they do all this stuff, it's not unusual for them to be very anxious and very, like, it just, it kind of grades on them. And, and I mean, remember, we talked about God gave us a way to have sex within the context of what it was created to be. Here's some more symptoms. STDs, right? That's a symptom of sexual immorality, okay? Um, here's one that I wanted to, to show you guys. Single parent homes, all right? I looked this up because I was curious that we, we, we have a culture that's so promiscuous right now that what we're tending to see is we see a lot of uh, single-parent homes, okay? Now, hear me. I'm not blaming the kids for this. I'm blaming, I'm blaming what is going on outside of marriage. And according to CNN, which I don't normally quote, <laughs> but, uh, but Asian-Americans, 17% of children born in Asian-American uh, uh, are born outside of marriage. 29% of Caucasians or white people, such as myself, are born outside of marriage. Uh, 53% of Hispanics are born outside of marriage. Um, 66% of American Indians are born outside of marriage. And listen to this one. African Americans, 73%. That's three-fourths of all African American children are born into single-parent homes. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? That, and I've heard that stat before. I, I didn't know it was 73%, though. I thought it was more like in the 60s. But, but guys, what, what we see here is this is a symptom of the problem, right? Let me read you one more. And this one really gets me, okay? Abortion, all right? Um, abortion, I, guys, I will tell you, if somebody supports abortion, I will never vote for them. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now, okay? Now, in between the years of 1970 and 2014, it's estimated that there have been close to 44.5 million abortions in the United States. And these are only the legal ones recorded, okay? This doesn't mean any back alley stuff that's done illegally. Let me read that number one more time. 44.5 million abortions in the United States since 1970. In 44 years, we've had 44.5 million abortions. Guys, that is insane, isn't it? Now, here's, here's the thing. Let me, let me be very specific about this because 
I used to be very, um, this, this topic gets me going. Like, I, I really detest abortion. And, and I remember I worked at a bank with somebody who was pro-abortion. And um, what I realized is that most people who get abortions don't know the extent of what they're doing. And here's what I mean by this, is that um, their minds have been tricked into thinking that it's not a baby, it's just a clump of cells, right? And so, so this is why it's so important to have a Christian view on this stuff, because, because the Bible actually says that God knew us in the womb. That's a verse in the Bible. It says God actually knew us in the womb. And so I remember when I worked at the bank and my mind changed where I said, man, I'm not mad. It's hard for me to be upset with these people because I feel like a lot of people who have abortions don't really know the extent of what they're doing. They're just, they're uneducated. They're, they've been lied to, right? So, so guys, these, you know, we could, we could talk all day on these, but, but those are just a couple of the symptoms of the problem. Remember, if, if, if sexuality was confined to marriage 100% of the time, guess what? These problems go away, all right? They go away. STDs don't exist. Single-parent homes, I mean, other than death or something like that or divorce, but, I mean, we're talking like kids are not born out of that much. Abortions, man, I mean, these go away if it's done right. These are symptoms of the problem. The craziest thing I ever heard was when I heard that, that high schools were selling condoms in the bathroom, all right? Now, this is a the big thing, I guess, in schools. And, and it's crazy to me because I asked, I asked somebody about this. I said, why do they sell condoms in the bathroom? And she goes, she goes well, they're going to do it anyway, so we want to make sure they're doing it safely. And I'm like, what a defeated attitude. I'm like, man, it's, it's really depressing to me because it's a defeated attitude. But guys, pregnancy, STDs, those aren't the problem. The problem is sexual immorality. Those are merely symptoms of the problem, okay? So again, point number two, focus on the problem, not the symptoms. And let's finish with the last one here. Now, this one I should have written out first, but um, it's my favorite point, so I saved it for last. Okay, here it is. Uh, point number three, develop a Christian worldview, okay? Now, when I say a Christian worldview, if I was to define the word worldview, it's very easy to define. It is how you view the world, okay? It's not rocket science there, right? It's how you view the world. Now, people view the world differently. Wouldn't you agree with that? If you are a Christian, you should view the world through a Christian lens, okay? You should say, I'm going to do this or not do this based on what God says in Scripture, okay? Other people will look at the world through the lens of happiness, where I'm going to do this or not do this based on what makes me happy, we talked about that a minute ago. That that's not a good way to look at it. And what I want to encourage you guys to do is to develop a Christian worldview. Look at the world through the way you think Jesus looks at the world. And the way to figure that out is read your scripture. Read your Bible, okay? Now, the devil is deceiving so many of us. And like I said in the opening, a lot of people that are deceived, they don't even know they're being deceived. And that, that to me is what's the most depressing part of it. And here's the thing. The only way to know if you're being lied to is if you know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you don't know that you're being lied to, right? And so many people out there are sold this counterfeit love, this counterfeit happiness, all this stuff, and that's all they know to be true. So they say, oh, it must be true. However, if you know Scripture, if you know the, the, what God wants you to know, if you know what Jesus, his opinion on this, if you come to church and hear us talk about this kind of stuff, then you can say, wow, I know the truth. I'm being lied to. I'm being lied to about this stuff. I want to show you a clip of a very good movie, okay? This is a movie called Catch Me If You Can. Anybody ever heard of it? 
Okay, good. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio. It's an awesome movie, all right? But here's what I want you to do. Watch this clip, okay? And, uh, and we'll talk about it afterwards. So go ahead and hit the clip. Here we go. I'd like you to take a look at something for me. Tell me what you think. That's a fake. How do you know you haven't looked at it? Well, there's no perforated edge, right? I mean, this, this check was hand cut, not fed. Yeah. Paper's double bonded, much too heavy to be a bank check. Magnetic ink, it's uh, raised against my fingers instead of flat. This doesn't smell like micker, it's some kind of a, you know, some kind of a drafting ink. You know, the kind you get at a stationery store. <clears throat> Frank, would you be interested in working with the FBI's financial crimes unit? I already got a job here, you know, I uh, deliver the mail. Frank, we have the power to take you out of prison. You'd be placed in the custody of the FBI where you'd serve out the remainder of your sentence as an employee of the federal government. Under whose custody? All right, so let me kind of explain what happened in that clip there. Is This is a movie called Catch Me If You Can, and it's all about um, a guy who's a con artist where he pretends to be people that he's not and just to steal money. And what he realizes at a young age is he gets this check and he adjusts the check a little bit, like the, the micker line at the bottom, he adjusts the number. So what he does is he goes to the bank and he says, I'd like to cash this check. And then they give him the money. And he found out how to use fraud checks. He would make these fake checks and everything, and, and he was making a ton of money off of it. And what's cool about it is they eventually, they put him in jail. They find him. And then at the very end, I love that that guy comes in with a fake check, and he goes, well, let's see how good he is. And was he fooled by the fake check? No. He knew exactly it was a fake. I love, he goes, it's a fake. And the guy goes, you haven't even looked at it yet. And he goes, look, the weight is off. Like, it's not, there's, it doesn't have the perfect edge on it. Like, like, he knew instantly that it was a fake check. And the only reason he knew that it was a fake check is because he knew what a real check looked like, right? Look at this. Does anybody know what this is right here? This is a $20 bill from Monopoly, all right? Perhaps you know that. All right, if I went up to you guys right now and I handed you this money and I said, hey, I want you to have this $20, what would you do? Would you be super pumped or what? No, you wouldn't. You, what'd you say? You would slap me? That's assault and I would sue you. But, but $20, I, I would, if I gave you a $20 Monopoly thing, you'd take it and you'd say, this is, this is worthless. I'm not gonna do anything with this. Because you, why? Because you know what a $20 bill looks like, right? I went over to my kid once and I said, I said, hey, Jack, I got $20 for you. And he was like, oh my gosh. And he was so, he was so happy about it. He took it and he was like, I got $20. And then my daughter Maura's like, it's fake, you idiot. And he goes, oh, what? And so the thing is, you know this is fake because you know that a real $20 bill looks like this, right? If you've seen a 20, who wants a $20 bill? Somebody raise it, here we go. There we go, all right? But if you see... If you see a 20, come up here. Come up here with your $20 bill. Come up here. Stand up right there. Stand up, stand up. Thank you. Turn around, please. God bless you. All right. Now, now again, if I, if, I, if I showed you this and I said, this is a $20 bill, you'd say, well, clearly it's not. It's not the same length. It's not the same width. It's not, it, look at this. These 20s are different. Where's Jackson? He's not on this one anywhere. It's just a train. See? 
Right, see, okay. So these are clearly different. If you had no idea what a $20 bill looked like, you wouldn't know that this was a fake. Okay, go ahead and take a seat. Everybody give her a big round of applause if you don't mind. All right? And here's the whole point of the analogy. Okay, here's the whole point of the analogy. You know, no, this belongs to the Bennetts. I have to give it back to them. I'm sorry. All right? But here's the whole point is that I, I remember when I worked at the bank, I started, uh, I started, I was a cashier. I was a teller, right? And, and this guy came in and he gave me this wad of cash. I went through it. And afterwards, my boss came up to me and said, hey, you just took in a fake $20 bill. And I said, what? And she pulled the bill and showed me. And clearly it was a fake. Like it was like printed on a printer. It was just like, it was crazy. And he goes, you've got to learn what the real bill, bills look like, what they feel like. And I'm to a point now where I can feel a dollar bill and I can tell you instantly if it's fake or real. Like I, I, could, I could close my eyes and do it. And I just know, I know how they feel because I know so well what the real ones look like. And guys, let me close by telling you this. The only way you're going to know if you're being deceived by the devil is if you know what the real truth is. A lot of you guys in here are settling for a Monopoly $20 bill. You're, you're, you're hearing this truth from the devil where you're just like, yes, this is real, okay? And God is looking at you and saying, mm-mm, that's fake. That's fake. That's fake happiness. That's fake love. If you know what the real thing is, you'll know when you're being deceived. So this is, I guess, my, my challenge for you guys, and I want you to be thinking to yourself, what are you doing with your mind to prepare you for when the devil tries to deceive you. What are you doing? Are you, are you just letting a bunch of junk in your mind that, that deceives you? Or are you saying, you know what? I, I, I want to know the will of God. I want to know what he wants for my life. I want to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to surround myself with Christians here, like come into church and stuff like that. Because guys, that right there, and I'll tell you, remember, that word renewing, remember, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, I'm a pastor. I work at a church full time. I have to renew my mind every day, okay? It doesn't ever go away. We have a sinful nature. We were born with a sinful nature, which means for the rest of your life, you have to constantly be focusing on Scripture. You have to constantly be growing in your relationship with God so that when those deceptions come your way, you can say, mm-mm, nope, I know. <laughs> That was awesome. She was like, no, uh girlfriend, I know what you're doing. All right, do that again. Stand up and do it for everybody. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to, I want to embarrass you. Go ahead. No, uh there it is. That hurts my neck. All right. That's right. Resist the devil. Let me pray for you guys, okay? So everybody bow your heads. And as we're praying, remember, guys, remember, the, the temple, guard the temple, okay? That means your body, that means your mind, and it means your heart. Specifically this week, I want you to think to yourself, what in your life is it, it, think about what are those extra calories in your life that you're putting inside your mind? What is the garbage that you're putting inside your mind? What are the lies that you're listening to that you're allowing to come inside your mind? What's the TV that you're listening to or watching? What's the music you're watching to? Who's the friends that you're hanging out with? Who's the girlfriend, the boyfriend, whatever it is? What are you letting in your mind that is corrupting what God wants you to be? Think about that this week, okay? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everybody here. God, I'm so thankful for, for this series, God, where we get to, you know, have some honest conversation where we can talk about uh, just the lies of the devil, God, that unfortunately are just getting to be so many and, and terrible, God. And, and Lord, my prayer is that for anybody in this room, Lord, that 
that is, is struggling with, with letting garbage into their mind, God, I pray that you can speak to their hearts tonight, Lord. God, I want to pray for the kids in this room who have been able to, uh, to stay pure, God, and that, that, that they can continue that fight. And God, I, I want to pray for the kids in this room that have messed up in the past, God. You don't love them any less. You love them just as much as you did, God. And, and a lie that people hear that have gone through that is that how can God love me when I've done this? And that is just a lie from the devil. My prayer is that if there's anybody in this room who has messed up, God, that, that they just leave it at the altar, God, that they leave it before you and realize that you love them so much, that you cherish them so much, that you have a plan, you have a purpose for them, God. Lord, my prayer is that everybody in this room, God, can live a life that completely just just shares what it is that your son did for us, God. Renew our minds and, uh, and just help us guard the temple, God. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.